we are in the middle of the church season called Epiphany on the church calendar, and it's, it typically runs between in January and February, and Epiphany uh, is representation of Christ's first appearance to the Gentiles, which happened in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, when Jesus, the infant, was presented to the Magi. So this is the first time someone that was not Jewish encountered the Messiah in flesh and blood, and we celebrate that season with, the, with Epiphany. So the coming Sundays, the past Sundays in January and the coming Sundays in January and February, um, we're going to be celebrating the time of Jesus' manifestation by illuminating specific topics that we think that God wants us to illuminate. It's going to be, the topics are going to kind of run the gamut. Last week, Dan White was here uh, talking about uh, a book he wrote called Love Over Fear. Um, that message will actually go up on the, our website this coming week, so you can listen to that. If you weren't here, I highly recommend it. Dan has some really unique thoughts uh, that we are, uh, I think that our Restore community um, gels really well with. And I, for, I wasn't here. I'm a little jealous, but I heard it was awesome. And he, he told me, I think we, he called Carrie and I like two or three months ago and wanted to come speak. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that date works. And then like a week or two later, I realized like, oh, I'm not going to be in town. That's no good. But it was good for you guys. This week, we're going to be talking about a topic that is really natural to an urban setting, fishing, right? Everybody in, in the city loves to go fishing, uh, but it's a parable, so it's, it's symbolic in nature. And a parable in scripture, Jesus loved to speak in parables. Parables are stories that tell us what life is like in the kingdom of God, all right? Which means every parable you read in scripture is a vision. It's Jesus's dream that he is making reality, and he uses these parables to, to get us to dream with him. Like, this is what it's like to live in my kingdom. This is what I'm leading you into and inviting us to participate in. So that's the parable, or that, that's the definition of parable. And we can really struggle with parables and with the nature of the kingdom of God because we want life to look like what we want it to look like. And when Jesus has a different perception of what life should look like, there can be tension there. And when we read this parable here in a second... At first glance, it seems pretty benign, all right? It's a parable about fishing. It's not really about fishing, though, all right? It, it might seem pretty ordinary, but if we allow ourselves to enter deep into the, the symbolism of the story and understand what Jesus is really talking about here, that's where we can experience some healthy tension and some, some change and some movement that he's inviting us into. So Matthew chapter 13, this is called the parable of the dragnet, verses 47, I... The, the parable's longer, but we just shortened it to verses 47 and 48 for today. Jesus said, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bat away. All right, Jesus is using a common fishing strategy of that time to explain how the kingdom of heaven comes to fruition in this world. Any, anybody ever watched Deadliest Catch? Any Discovery Channel fans? I used to watch that show. What, they, they bring the, 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 the crab up in these giant pots, and what do they do? They go through, and they pick each crab. They have to measure each crab. They can only keep certain kinds of crab, and they throw the other ones back, and that's 
So that's a fishing strategy that is still being used. It's an interesting parable that lasts for thousands of years. So rather than a fishing pole and some bait and a hook and one fisherman fishing for one fish, Jesus is talking about communally teaming up and using nets. And the nets were weighted at the bottom. They had flotation devices at the top. They'd throw them over, overboard. They would cover a huge area. And together they would team up and pull the net up and gather hundreds of fish in a much shorter time frame than by having a singular fisherman with a singular focus. They would collect the good fish, throw the bad ones back. So this is the vision God has for Christians, that when we team up together, uh, the name it's called now is the church. All right? It's a communal undertaking of trying to follow Jesus, of trying to uh, participate in this reality that he's trying to create for humanity. Years ago when we started Restore, which was nine years ago now, Carrie and I were coached to set the vision, to make the vision of Restore very specific and very focused, and we felt tension with that, all right? And at the time, we couldn't really discern why. Like, why do we feel tension? This is the way that lots of churches are doing things. So we just felt like God was leading us to make the vision broad, all right, for a number of reasons. And so we just had adopted Jesus' words as Restore Vision and Restore Mission, so the vision of Restore comes from Matthew 6. This is where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and he begins reciting the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a statement of vision. It starts with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the vision that God has for us, and he tells us to pray for it, that God's will would be done on earth just like it is in heaven. We shortened it and restored to bring heaven to earth. Like we've said that phrase a lot over the years. So we dream and we pray and we act on opportunities that we think might bring some more heaven to earth. And our mission is also adopted from Jesus' words. The Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples. Disciples meaning students, followers. Go and make more followers. That's our mission and restore. Heaven to earth is the dream. The mission is the method for making the dream happen. So we put a huge emphasis on starting and sustaining discipleship puddles. So these are the nets that we cast out in our community over the last nine years. Bring heaven to earth, make disciples. We kept the vision and the mission broad, intentionally. And just like Jesus said with the parable of the nets, sometimes our actions resulted in catching good fish. Uh, if you've been part of Restore for a while, you could probably think back some good memories of, of times we've tried to bring heaven to earth or, or maybe some good memories of discipleship huddle. Um, sometimes our actions resulted in catching bad ones. Right, some, some memories that you might have of Restore, might, might, you might be really reliving some pain or some awkwardness uh, or some tension. And I'm not necessarily talking about people. I'm just talking about any time we follow Jesus, it can lead to fruitfulness Sometimes it can lead to pain or even embarrassment. So like, for example, when we first started our church gatherings and experimenting with what it might be like to bring heaven to earth, sometimes it's big, sometimes it's little actions. The first summer we were here, we thought it'd be cool if some of our launch team members handed out cold water bottles outside of the metro station in downtown Silver Spring. We're like, hey, it's 100 degrees out. Who, would not, who wouldn't want a cold water bottle on a hot day as they're walking home from the metro stop? Cool off. So we're just handing out water bottles, and all, the, and all that had on there was our church website address. We're like, hey, let's just hand out a water bottle. Maybe it'll, it'll spark curiosity, and people will visit the website. 
it was so hard to hand out cold water bottles on a 100-degree day to complete strangers. They were really skeptical about it. Like, whoa, what, what are you trying to give me? We, each, we actually had one lady who took the bottle, and then upon finding out that we were a church, threw it at the people and yelled, poison! And we're like, okay, that was a failure. <laughs> Try to bring a little heaven to earth today, and it did not work out. It was kind of embarrassing. We cast our nets out that day, and it just didn't work. All right, didn't happen. So I want you to dwell upon that for a minute or so. So um, do this with me. Close your eyes just for a minute or so. And I want, you th- I want you to meditate or think about the answer to this question on a personal level. When has there been a time when you cast your net out as an act of faith and it led to pain or failure? Okay, you can open your eyes. I think it's good to remember those times for a number of reasons. A year or so into our church plant, plant life, we had not decided on a specific local or global mission to support, but we were receiving some pressure from one of our church planting organizations to donate a large amount of money to one specific organization that they were a part of, and they were bugging me about it. Uh, I caved and I committed to $25,000 of support to this particular organization, and I immediately felt weird about it because communal discernment was not involved. It was like going fishing alone. It was not a team decision. It was not a team effort, and I felt tension about that, about representing and making decisions like that for a community of Christians that that were still getting to know one another and still trying to figure out what it looks like to operate as a church community in this place that we live. And so I decided to back out of that commitment. And that was a real fun phone call, let me tell you, uh, to let someone down. Um, They were not happy, but I'm glad we did it. Um, Three years later, we're still kind of discerning, like, God, where do you want us to focus our time and our energy, our finances? And uh, in the span of one week, communal discernment occurred. Everybody noticed something. And they all did it. There was multiple people in our church that separately texted or emailed leadership in our church and said, we have to do something about this. And that was in 2015. People texted and unbeknownst to each other, all in that span, there was a communal discernment that we must get involved in the refugee crisis. We have to. And so we, we waited for three years for that to happen. And we're like, okay, let's try to bring heaven to earth to refugees and immigrants. And so we cast our nets out and we started uh, using every connection we had to figure out how can we how can we get involved? What's this look like? How can we help financially? Is there, how can we help like with our, our gifts and our strengths and our time? And we got involved in that. We've taken, I think, five trips to Greece. We're going to take our sixth this summer to serve Middle Eastern refugees. As many of you know, we've gotten really involved uh, locally in serving Central and South American refugees. God just keeps opening these doors uh, to the refugee and immigrant community, and we're just going to keep walking through them. And that's what happens with when we communally discern something, when we throw our nets out and we just see what God opens up. Another way God has revealed this in his will in our church is moving us from a singular, singular pastor leadership model to a communal pastor model. So instead of just one pastor, we have five 
that are equal, that mutually submit to one another. And we've experienced such beauty and favor in this. Too many stories to share, too many little occurrences and, and, and happenings amongst those five that have just been really beautiful. But one that direct, directly relates to us, our church serving immigrants and refugees, is this past fall, the five of us felt like God was telling us to take the money. We'd been giving 10% of our internal giving away to church planning for the last eight years. And we felt like God was saying, you need to start giving that towards refugees and immigrants. And so we decided to, to do that. And we moved all of our charitable giving uh, right now to Servant Group International. Specifically, every dime that we give to them goes to our ministry partners in Greece and taking us to morale. So their entire salary uh, in Greece is supported by us, Restore Church. And they have a net of hundreds of Middle Eastern refugees that they're serving in Katerini, Greece. And they w it wouldn't be possible without you, without Restore Church supplying all of their salary. And that's something I'm really proud of. And I felt like, and our pastors were, it was an immediate communal, yes, that's what we should do. So we started doing that. By the way, our next trip's July 29th through August 5th. There's a video meeting on February 16th at 8 p.m. Just had to throw that recruitment note in there. If you're interested in going, come check it out. Um, communal casting of nets has led us to keeping Antigonus and Merol. All right, we felt like Christ was saying, like, hold on to them. They're good ones. You have much to learn from them, and you have much to, to give to them. And that's something we're really, they're beautiful, wonderful ministry partners that we get to partner with. So what about you? Like, personalize this. In your marriage and in your tightest friendships, in your most trustworthy, holy relationships, have you been casting out your nets in faith? Like, I want you to dwell on that for a minute. So again, if it helps you, close your eyes to kind of meditate on that. When have you cast your net out with your spouse or your friends or your family and it led to fruitfulness? How has God blessed you with what you caught? Let's think about that for a second. Okay, so over time, as we have cast our nets out as a church in hopes of bringing heaven to earth and making disciples, God has started to reveal, the, to kind of continue the metaphor, the fish he wants us to keep. And I'm not necessarily talking about people, but he's revealed to us where, what is fruitful. Like this is how I'm, I want you to continue to grow this fruit, all right? So we sense him, it might be time for us to focus the vision and mission even more, or to at least communally discern that together. Uh, we, we sense it's time to consider, like, what do the next five to ten years look like in Restore? The lease on our space is up in a year, and so it's like, okay, let's spend the next, you know, six to nine months really thinking about what's it look like? Do, do we stay there? Do we find a new place? If we find a new place, where's it at? If we do find a new place, what's, what are we doing in there? Like, how, how does it, how do we operate with our vision and mission and, and all of this coming together. And we think communal discernment is a blessing in that regards. 
and to consider that. So February 23rd, right after our worship gathering, we're going to have a brainstorming brunch. Right? It's going to be at the living room. We're going to have some food. Our pastors will share. We'll ask you to share some ideas. Um, I don't care if you've been a part of Restore for nine years or this is the first time you've been here. You're invited. All right, we want to hear your ideas. Um, in a brainstorming session, it's fun because there are no bad ideas. All right, you can throw out the craziest ideas you have because it's not a decision-making meeting. It's a dreaming meeting. All right, we're casting nets out to see what God brings up, to see what types of like commonality we see in the ideas that are rolling through the heads and the hearts of the people of Restored. So I hope you'll come hang out with us February 23rd. It won't be the only one we do. We'll do another one in like March or April. Um, because we just want to cast the nets out and see what God brings for the future. And that's communal. That's church. Like, what's restore look like? But I also want you to do this personally. I want you to think about this in your life, in your marriage, your friendships, your workplace, your closest relationships. I'm excited for our church to cast our nets again. But there's some of you that need to get back to doing this. All right? Some of you need to dust the nets off and throw them back out. Maybe you've associated casting nets with pain. I can, I can associate it with that, of like throwing it out, and you, you bring something up, and it bites you, and it's painful, and you're like, I don't want to do that again, but that's part of following Christ. Bringing heaven to earth, making disciples, loving sacrifice is required. It's not going to feel good sometimes. I experienced this last weekend. I, a friend of mine went to this... Uh, experience called the crucible it's a really intense spiritual retreat and they take place all over the u.s and this is back in the fall when i was deciding where to go and when to go and there was a location in in a, in a opportunity in colorado in denver the denver area specifically and we used to live in denver a long like 10 years ago and i associate denver with a lot of pain um one of the worst stretches one of the most painful stretches of my life and I picked Denver. I'm like, I'll go back there. Like, I'm going to revisit that. And um, flying into the Denver airport, the reason is, one of the reasons it was so painful is that 10 years ago, right now, uh, my closest friend um, took his own life. His funeral was the first funeral I ever did. And it was absolutely horrific. He had five children. I woke up with nightmares for months afterwards, seeing his kids' faces as I was speaking at his funeral. It's not a memory I enjoy thinking about. Flew into the Denver airport, and there, in Denver airport in particular is um, a, a source of pain for me because flying to his funeral, we were eating at an airport McDonald's, and that's when the grief hit me. Have you ever had that happen where you, were, you had uncontrollable grief, just like a wave? Uh, and it hit me right there in front of hundreds of people, and I wept, and I couldn't control myself. And just openly for minutes, just sobbing. I get to the Denver airport last week, and I get into that terminal, and I, didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about it. And I walked, and I stopped, and I was looking for a bathroom, and I noticed, like, 10 feet from me was the table. Like, that's where I was sitting, right there, when that, and all those emotions kind of started coming back to me for a second. And I just stood there, staring at this table, reliving that pain for a moment. I'm like, ugh. Why did I come to Denver for this conference? That's the first thing that went through my head. Like, what? What? That was an enormous mistake. Reliving that pain of 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 the grief associated with that that place. Um, but I'm really glad I did. I went to the crucible experience. I cast my nets out again in faith, 
and God spoke. Wonder, beautiful things happened um, last week and in the lives of other people and in my life. God brought, reminded me of goodness and fruitfulness and that he is at work. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't. It, it was like he redeemed Denver for me. Uh, he made me realize that his goodness can happen anywhere at any time, no matter the pain that we associate with acts of faith. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to cast your nets out again. And I don't know what that means specifically for you, but I do want to give you a couple prompts. All right, um, there's something that we use in Discipleship Huddle. There's three holy places in which to cast your nets. And we call these places in Restore, the words we use to describe them are up, in, and out. In Scripture, they're known as communion, community, and commission. So communion meaning with God, like your connection with him. Community your connection with Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and then commission to be with those on the margins, right? the people that are, that are low, the poor in spirit, the people in pain. So where is God calling you to cast your nets out this year, 2020, new decade? So a couple, I'm going to put a couple of questions up. Just I want us to stare at these for a minute or so, and I want you to think about this in your life and your relationships. For communion, where do you need to cast your nets with God? Are you willing to fish in places with him that you haven't yet? Because he wants to know you more. He's never done. For community, where do you need to cast your nets out with your fellow Christians? Who could you, who could you benefit from being closer to? Who could benefit from your presence? Sorry, I said that wrong. Who could you benefit from being closer to? Who could benefit from your presence? It goes both ways. What's fishing with them look like? What's friendship all right, look like with them? And then commission. Where do you need to cast your nets with people who are on the margins of faith or in the midst of painful circumstances? Who needs to experience the love and truth of Christ through you? What's that look like for you in 2020? taking a moment of silence here for you to think about that. I don't want you to stop thinking about that, though. Just take a look and sense where God might be leading. Where does he want you to throw nets out again? You're going to pull up some good fish. You're going to have some good experiences. You're going to have some fruit. You're also going to fail miserably, painfully. That happens with fishing. You might get bit. Cast your nets anyway. That's what I want us to do as individuals, and that's what I want us to do as a community. Let's close.